episode there's already like seven million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat but it's all been done before we don't want to be a copycat we're the leftovers picking up the scraps dropped by the cool kids it, it, it's a trap good it toss it good it taste it do we love it hey let's mix it clean erase it let's embrace the tupperware party subculture spill over like a vulture carry over Culture pushovers, pop culture, leftovers, uncool kids. What's to say's already been said. Leftovers, only talent. It's the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Hey, welcome to a bonus episode of Pop Culture Leftovers. I'm Brian. I'm Jake, and, and we're, we're the, the leftovers. And this week we're talking about two movies that dropped. Uh, actually. Uh, both were in. Both are in theaters. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't get to see the first one in the theater. It actually dropped on July fifteenth in the theater. Was not playing near me. But we're going to be talking about uh, the Gray Man now on Netflix, as well as the uh, new Jordan Peele movie Nope. But first, let's introduce our guest uh, uh, for this uh, bonus episode. We've got Shifton Tristan Brown. Welcome, Shifton Tristan. Hey, thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Absolutely. And also joining us from the Apple to Oranges podcast, we've got June. Welcome, June. Hey, guys. Hi. I'm so glad to be back. Absolutely. Yeah. Happy to have you back on this one. And you guys are going to be joining us for all the episodes this week. We've got a slew of episodes coming out this week. And I don't know why I said that in tune. And actually, probably wasn't in tune, but... Anyway, <laughs> please. It was a nice. It was a nice tune. That's an earworm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, it's been stuck in my head all week, Brian. Your the melodic, the melodic tones of an idiotic host. Anyway, that's what I should title this episode. But uh, yeah, let's. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Gray Man and Nope. Uh, we will have a timestamp for Nope. In the notes for this episode. Yeah, you say no timestamps, but you're doing it. Yeah, I'll go fuck you too. Um, so, but we will have a timestamp for note because it'll be easy for me to place the timestamps. So if you just come for note, then 
head on over to that timestamp. Uh, synopsis for the gray man, when the CIA's top asset, his identity known to no one, uncovers agency secrets, he triggers a global hunt by assassins set loose by his ex-colleague. The gray man is an action thriller film directed by Anthony and Joe Russo. We know those names from Marvel. Uh, from a screenplay the latter co-wrote with Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. We also know those guys' names from Marvel. <laughs> uh, it's based on the 2009 novel of the same name by Mark Greeny. Uh, the film stars Ryan Gosling as Six, our main character. Uh, Chris Evans as a villain in this one. Anna de Armas. Uh, so yeah, Chris Evans and Anna de Armas reunited from Knives Out in this movie. Uh, we also get Jessica Henwick, uh, Rege John Page, uh, Wagner Mora, Julia Butters, uh, Danish, Alfre Woodard, and Billy Bob Thornton. Uh, it's produced by the Russo Brothers company Agbo, and uh, the film is intended to start a franchise based upon Greeny, Gr- Greeny's Gray Man novels. So they're just not looking at one movie. They're looking for multiple movies uh, coming out uh, in, in this Gray Man series, probably all headed to Netflix if they get more movies. We're going to be rating this one. So if this is your first time listening, this is our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right. I will go ahead and rate this one first. Uh, You know, I'm a big fan of uh, Joe and Anthony Russo. Um, I do... I do feel like their, you know, movies with Agbo have not been the best. Like, I, you know, I love Chadwick Boseman, but for as much as I love Chadwick Boseman, I wasn't the biggest 21 Bridges fan. Um, Cherry was a little bit better, but still just not like, you know, Tupperware, you know, material in my opinion. I thought it was fine. Um, and, uh, yeah, we get the gray man here. I feel like they really tried to do a blend of a lot of different types of like movies that we've seen in the past. I feel like this is taking elements of, uh, of John wick and blending it with, uh, the more, you know, espionage kind of stuff that we see like in mission impossible. So it's like a blend of those two. It's like, uh, we're going to give you John wick with the assassins, but then also give you like, you know, secret organizations and, you know, cover ups and all this other stuff going on you know the mission impossible route so it's like if john wick was the main character from mission impossible so um and then you got like this whole sierra program held up by billy bob thornton it's interesting i thought the action was spectacular in this movie in certain parts i do feel like the third act went along went went on a little long and kind of got messy um, but like the action scene that we got with like the, out, out in the, I'm trying to remember where he's like on top of like, what was it? He was on top of like a, some kind of like moving vehicle and running at the top of it and shit like that. I was like, that was awesome. What was that? Like a tram or something? I can't remember. Yeah. I was like an overhead tram or something. Yeah. And that was awesome. I was like, I was blown away by that whole action sequence. I thought it was filmed. Awesome. I thought it was fucking incredible. 
I absolutely loved it. My, one of my, but I do feel like the third act was a little lacking, and I felt like it had like Lord of the Rings like trick endings where it's like, oh, I thought <laughs> I, I thought we're oh we still got to wrap that up. I get yeah. it. We're, yeah. we're we're moving on to another ending because yeah, we didn't wrap that up completely. Maybe we could wrap that up sooner, but it you know so it kept going, and I was like, man, they could have cut a lot out of this movie. Um, and then there is, <laughs> I know I don't know how you guys. I feel like Chris Evans was not a great villain. And I loved him as the villain in Knives Out. But I was just not the biggest fan of him in this one. I even tweeted on, I was on Twitter and I put out a tweet saying, you know, watching the gray man and it makes me appreciate what an awesome villain Gary Oldman was in Leon the Professional. Because I feel like that's more of the kind of villain I was hoping to get here. So maybe we do a recast or something. I just didn't feel like Chris Evans was like that villain. Well, he was villainous. I didn't feel like he was that menacing in this movie. He was just more snarky and kind of showed up at the end and really wasn't scaring me all that much. He was basically like being snarky and shouting out orders. He was just a douchebag. Hold on. Let me, let, let, we'll, we'll open it up here in a second, June. We're all giving our ratings. We'll open it up in a second. Yeah. Um, but he's just, yeah, shouting out orders and stuff like that and demeaning other people in the organization. And I just, that's not, I didn't think it was that well done. I don't, and I don't think it was that well of a performance. And honestly, don't care if I'm on my own here. That's my opinion. It just wasn't good, in my opinion. And, <laughs> I, and I love Chris Evans in Knives Out. I thought he was phenomenal. Uh, I just didn't think it worked here. I think that we should have had two guys that are, you know, both at the top of their game from, you know, separate kind of like uh, organization, like one from Sierra, and this guy has also been kind of like covered up by the government and. They should have both been at the top of their game, and I should have felt more of a rivalry between the two, and it really didn't come off that way. So I really wasn't worried for you know, our main character at the end because of the way that they kind of had his character written and the way he acted throughout the movie. I'm going to give it a taste. It. If it was just based on the action, I'd give it a Tupperware. It was fucking filmed wonderfully. And uh, uh, the fight scenes and choreography and fucking, I think, Ryan Gosling, I'd give him a Tupperware. Um, I thought he was fantastic. I loved his character throughout this journey. I thought Billy Bob Thornton was great. Um, I think the de-aging of Billy Bob Thornton looked terrible, but other than that, I thought Billy Bob Thornton was great. (laughs) I love seeing Billy Bob Thornton and Ryan Gosling working together in this movie. I thought that they had great chemistry when they were either on the phone or, you know, in person, um, for the moments that they had together. I thought they were fantastic. I'm going to give it a taste it overall. Mm -hmm. And that basically comes down to, some of the shit you could have cut out, the third act, and then Chris Evans just not being, like, that villain for me. Uh, and I also want to point out that Netflix, their merch shop, you can buy the mustache for, uh, <laughs> for Chris Evans' character in this. Yeah. yeah. Their merch shop was like, oh, let's capitalize on, uh, on, on the mustache that Chris Evans wears in this movie. So, yeah, if you head on over to Netflix shop, you can buy the fucking mustache. Waste your fucking money in this fucked up economy. You know, not like we have to worry about gas prices right now. But go ahead and buy the goddamn mustache from fucking the gray Early man. Christmas gift idea. Yeah, there you go. Here you go, mom. You love the gray man. 
Mom. <laughs> Wear the mustache. <laughs> it'll it'll cover up the one that's already there. All right. Oh. Uh, burn, Mom. Um, <laughs> Tristan, what did you think? You notice how I'm not calling on June. June, I would have called on you next, but you keep butting in. <laughs> it's a joke. Ju- June, it's a joke. Um, Tristan, what did you think about uh, the gray man? Uh, you know, I made the mistake of looking at reviews before watching this, and I had very low expectations. I didn't think it was going to be all that great. But, um, yeah, I just kind of, you know, turned up my brain and just watched it. And, and I thought the action was very well made. I thought the uh, the action she- scenes were very well shot. I mean, it's definitely um, A-list directors here doing this. And so, you know, these guys who brought us such gems like Infinity War and Winter Soldier and all that, I mean, they have to make great action scenes. So, yeah, I really enjoyed the action scenes. Um, the cast, I thought, was very well stacked. I thought that you had a really good cast here. And, and as far as Chris Evans is concerned, I don't think I was annoyed uh, by him or, or, or not impressed by him to the level that you were, Brian. I thought he did okay, but like you said, he, he didn't seem – like he should have been the arch nemesis. He seemed like he would have been like the second guy, you know, or something like that, you know, the lackey or something, because he, he wasn't like this nefarious villain or anything to, to any extent. And I don't know why they're selling his mustache because I, I doubt people are going to be cosplaying as this guy, you know, is not just a memorable character, in my opinion. And even the way he goes out, I thought was a little anticlimactic too. Um, I get very annoyed when I see very high body counts in movies and all these trained professionals just die so easily. Um, so that was annoying me. And there's actually a point where Chris Evans shoots one of the guys on the ground, calls him a moron because they let uh, 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 the main character go. And I thought that was appropriate because everyone's just dropping like flies in this movie, trying to get this one guy. And that's, that annoyed me uh, to an extent. Um, I think it could have been trimmed down. Like you said, I felt the movie definitely needed to be edited a little bit more. I was watching it and I felt like it was coming to an end. And I look at the time and it's like 20 minutes left. I'm like, what the hell? Like, how the hell does this movie have 20 more minutes in it? Um, I like the cast, as I mentioned, um, the performances, the action scenes. So for me, just because I was entertained, I gave it a high tasted. Um, and it's barely a high tasted. It was a middle of the road tasted until I got to that fucking train scene. And I bumped it up to a high taste. Train scene is one of the best films action scenes <laughs> I've seen in a long time. And the thing is, yeah. it's like I really wish that this would have been more of a wider release theatrically. Maybe I would have given this a high taste had it been because I'm telling you, like the Russos and, you know, they're. Their uh, stunt crews and, and action choreographers really know how to fucking film action. They really do. I mean, uh, I like the plane oh, scene too. You know, I like. Oh God, yes. Yeah. The the when they're falling, it was just like, oh my God, I wish Black Widow would have been able to do this as cool as they're doing it here. Yeah. You know, because that, yeah, uh, that the the plane scene inside the plane, outside the plane, it was all amazing. June, what did you think of uh, the Gray Man? You know, I give it a taste. It um, it was a fun, you know, action adventure movie. I agree with a lot of what you guys said. I mean, I think the action scenes were really well done. Um, 
I I really did not like Chris Evans as this villain. I it just it didn't work. I it, it seemed too hammy at times and just wasn't convincing. And I never felt like he was a scary presence whenever he was on scene. But I really did like um, Ryan Gosling. I thought Ryan Gosling, he had chemistry with everyone he shared a scene with. I thought the scenes with him and Alfred Woodard, you know, like I, even though we don't get a whole lot with them, you know, I bought, you know, that relationship that they have. The, and I like the back and forth of like, I thought we weren't going to be, you know, sentimental about this. When they both clearly very much cared for it. Like I, I bought all of that. So um, I think some things worked, some things didn't. But overall, I was very entertained. So. Yeah, just a fun kind of, I think it's like a fun summer movie that you put on and, you know, where you don't have to think too hard <laughs> when you're watching it. Yeah. Well, real quick question before I forget. Did Alfre Woodard, her character, and Billy Bob Thornton's character, did they go out the same way? Yeah. they were yes, pretty much. Like, did the Russos just run out of ideas? <laughs> short-term memory well it's like you usually see that it's not like that's the first time we've never you know it's like like we've never seen that before where you know someone's dying and they're holding a bomb i mean i c- clearly you know remember fucking uh miles dyson in terminator 2 holding on to like you know the grenade and letting go of the trigger and blowing up everybody and shit in- inside the building and I can hear that breathing right now. Exactly. And then, you know, this movie is like, you know what? Fuck it. We're going to pull it off twice. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. It wasn't like really plot connected either. Like it wasn't like a callback or like, you know, yeah. Bizarre. <laughs> I mean, and I'm not saying like, I don't know. That's nitpicky, but yeah. I don't think it is. Okay. It's almost three times because Ryan Gosling at one point drops a grenade and I mean, he doesn't take the, the blow, but yeah. 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 Anyway. Yeah. Jake, what'd you think? Yeah, I, I'm right there with you guys. Basically, this was a middle of the road. Taste it. Um, it was definitely elevated by the action. I got heavy Michael Bay vibes watching this with the way the action was shot. And in fact, I thought they did some of the drone stuff better than Michael Bay did it in ambulance. Like it was a little bit more distracting in that movie than it was very cool in this movie especially during that car chase sequence i the drone stuff was super neat and some of the shots they were able to capture wow but yeah the i don't know it's such a great cast and no one's really terrible um i had the same note that tristan had that i was surprised that like chris evans is the villain why don't you give him that like villain death where you're like so happy to see him die that way it always feels like a wasted opportunity like that's something you wait for in a movie like this and that was a little bit of a letdown um yeah i mean this was it was never completely off-putting but it didn't really have i'm surprised it's even based off of a book honestly when i when i read that on wikipedia i was shocked because i really didn't see like any twist or turns and i wouldn't even describe this as a twisty turny type movie right like i what was the big oh, yeah. like twist I, I don't really think that was it was pretty laid out bare for you and then it just kind of went um so yeah it, it was an okay movie worth your time if you're already paying 15 dollars for netflix i guess but nothing special <laughs> and i'm not too excited for a sequel would this have played better in the theater for you guys? I mean, I, I definitely pers- the action sequences were breathtaking. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I agree with whoever said if they cut like 
20, 30 minutes out of this, like you could really make a really breathtaking movie. I mean, me, both Tristan and I felt like they should have cut quite a bit out it, of this. It did. There was a lot that could have been cut. There was great lighting. This like this movie, like if you just look at frames at it, it's just fucking gorgeous. Like during that final fight, that scene when he kicks Evan's head against like the vase in the middle of the fountain, like the way that was shot and lit and silhouetted, silhouetted, I, I was just really impressed. But I know this is like based on like like this novel, like these book series, but it's. <sighs> Part of me wishes that Chris Evans' character, like they could have changed stuff. That like, like, was did they reveal that he was ever in the Sierra program? No, I don't think he was. It, it would have been much more interesting for the final bad to be part of the same program. That's what I'm. Saying. That's thought, what I'm getting at. That's exactly yeah, what I'm I getting he at. Was I no, he was kicked he out was of training. a. He was kicked out of a certain program. And oh, uh, okay. And, he was with the CIA, I yes, thought, right? And, and he then, was kicked out of that. And so now he's basically kind of like a, a rogue, kind of like mercenary, uh, hidden, you know, not on the books uh, for hire kind of guy. So I just thought that, yeah, change up his character. Make him like part of like the – he was so bad for the Sierra program that Billy Bob Thornton kicked him out of that, you know. And, and um, so – and I can't think that they're done with the Sierra program. Like in future installments, I keep feeling like maybe there is somebody that that is still alive, other than you know, a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. And it was—I don't know. I guess like you know, we're introduced to you know Agent like Sierra Four, which was like you know the guy who gets killed by Six at the beginning of the movie, who looked like the love child of Mickey Rourke and. Um, fucking uh, what's his name? All right, all right, all right. Yeah, Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he looked like he looked like Matthew McConaughey and Mickey Rourke had a love child together. But um, I, I man, that, that's one of the things that I thought that fight was okay, but it could have been a lot better. They just needed to get it moving along so that they could get to like the whole. Um, like what the story is and the whole the data of it all and all this other stuff. Um, I, I thought it was fine. It's just like, of course, it's like you're going to kill this guy first before you find out any of this. And then you two are going to be able to talk and kind of bond over this after the fact. And I'm thinking to myself, you really could have used this guy. You're basically on the same side and you killed him before you could get any of this information. It's like that kind of sucked. But I understand it for the story. Um, I, I really feel like they tried to do a lot of world building, like in John Wick and the, you know, the continental and all that other stuff and setting things up. I just don't think it's as streamlined or as fun as what we got in John Wick. I agree with that. At one point in this movie, Chris Evans calls Ryan Gosling a Ken doll. Was that? A yeah. nod, wink to the Barbie stuff. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. It's I like think I, th- so. I, th- yeah, it's yeah. gotta be. I think the Russos probably learned from Ryan Gosling during the filming of this that that was his next project. So they were like, "Okay, we'll throw that into the movie somehow." And yeah, I yeah, I, I totally thought that too. Oh man, it made me groan if it was a uh, nod, wink. I was like, uh, "That's a little much." Um, there were some funny parts yeah. in this movie, though. I laughed a lot at the uh, exchange between Gosling and Ana de Armas about the whether or not you throw loaded weapons. And I liked how that continued a little bit, too. Yeah, even towards the end. Yeah. 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 You what? know, the one thing, though, is like, I guess if you have your, your three 
I mean, I guess Chris Evans was the main villain, but I guess the other two, like minions, though you have uh, the 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 Bridgerton guy, right? And then Bridgerton um, guy. Isn't he the? Isn't he the guy? He, he's forever going to be named. That. He's that guy. I'm just laughing that that's his name. Bridgerton. So like Bridgerton and um, Jessica Henwick <laughs> character, but like you don't find out to like the very end. The three of them have have this like relationship. They were friends in college. Because yeah, she said Harvard. The, um, the three of them. Yeah, yeah. Yes. They but they met at college, so clearly they've known each other for at least you know ten, fifteen years. So I think I'm like that would have been something I would have rather found out earlier in the movie, because then I feel like the way the dynamic between the three of you would make more sense. Yeah, why hold on to that information? Like, let it that... didn't make sense to reveal that at the end. I was like, that would have been much better earlier in the movie. I agree. Well, now you can watch it again and <laughs> see all yeah, those connections. Right? Oh, wow. What a Christopher Nolan way to watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, another scene that I really liked that was just like insane was the scene where he's handcuffed to the, <laughs> to the fucking uh, bench. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> I I thought that that was like well done. I I really liked that quite a bit because like you know they're just throwing so many different soldiers and the police are there and he's tied up to this bench, handcuffed to this bench, and and uh, I had a lot of fun with that. I thought that that was really cool. Jessica Henwick was really great during that whole sequence too, and just how like she couldn't believe how terrible Evans was doing at all this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's like, she's like, they're gonna write up, they're gonna talk, they're gonna teach this in classes about how this is not how you do it operation. Right. Yeah, there was a funny line that Chris Evans said to her about her hairstyle. <laughs> he said, like, I preferred your other hairstyle, the one that did make you look like a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like this movie enough. I, I, and you know, we're, of course, there's probably gonna be articles about how this is like. You know, the most streamed movie ever on Netflix, I'm sure. I'm no, sure, you know it. I'm sure we'll that, read right? that. So, yeah, it topped Extraction or whatever. So, Do you know what the budget was? Uh, they're saying it was $200 million. Wow. Yeah. The cast was probably half of that. I know. That's, that was, there were a lot of, like, the smaller characters, like Wagnamura, you know, was the uh, passport guy that uh, ended up like that yeah. had the trap door thing? Shay Wiggum. Shay Wiggum plays Six's father in this. Yeah, like, there's a lot of big names in this, even in small parts. Yeah. No. Yeah, I like I like the young actress too. The one from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, I think she has a very promising career. Uh, who is, is she that? Niece. Yeah. Or yeah, the pacemaker. Okay. Yeah. Oh, uh, Julia Butters. Yeah. Yeah, that's her name, Julia Butters. Yeah, she was a good child actor. Looks like a looks like a young uh uh Anne Hathaway to me. Yeah. No, I can mm-hmm. see it. Yeah, I thought I don't know. Uh it I don't think this is something I will ever watch again though, sadly. And it's like I don't know if I really uh, care for sequels on this one. They're going to really have to blow me away. It's not like with John Wick where I got done with that or even like the Mission Impossible series where I'm like chomping at the bit for like the next movie. So Watch, Watching a few of these Agbo movies, do you kind of wonder if 
the if we're giving the Russo brothers a little bit too much credit for the success of the Marvel movies, like do you think it's just the team of them working with Kevin Feige and everything else that makes those so great? Because as you mentioned, like they haven't done anything mind blowing, mm-hmm. and you would think that they'd be trying to like really knock your socks off when they get a chance to do their own stuff, and they're and they're not. Yeah, and I mean, I, here's the thing: it's like they're already, you know, they they're coming into Marvel and they're working with an established property this is being adapted from something and they're not doing anything different here like with the action they're giving us this over-the-top action and they're also doing the same thing that they do in the marvel movies working with an ensemble cast we got a huge ensemble cast with this one so i'm not i haven't been too blown away by agbo i mean i really feel like you know a marvel reunion is uh gonna happen it's i think it's gotta happen i i would rather like i've as far as brothers are concerned, I'm more impressed by the Safdie brothers and what they've been able to put out. Hmm. And the Cohen yeah, brothers, Cohen brothers, a hundred percent, even though they're not together anymore. Oh but. yeah. 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 Night and day. I'm just saying I thought a lot of comparing a brothers. Lot about what Tristan has said too. And I mean, one of the biggest differences is that they didn't write the Marvel movies and Russo has a screenwriting credit on the gray man. So, hmm. I mean, I think that is, I don't, I think we're not giving the screenwriters enough credit. Huh. Infinity yeah. War and Endgame. The same same writers though, Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they also did same uh, writers. Soldier too, and yeah, Civil uh, Civil War, Winter Soldier too. I think Marvel just has a very good betting system, especially when they come to their marquee movies, because I think a lot of people have to say yes before they move forward on something. Um, which is why you know even Blade took forever to get into production because they they want to make sure the script is just right. Um, and, yeah, I, I feel that the screenwriting process that's going into the big temple Avenger films has a very, very um, um, good vetting system. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it, is, it is weird, man. Because, like, when, when, when we got the trailer for 21 Bridges, I was super excited. I was like, Chadwick Boseman, the Russos, this is going to be fucking awesome. I saw it in the theater. I liked it, but I wasn't like blown away. You know what I mean? I've I've still not seen Twenty One Bridges because I don't want my last Chadwick Boseman movie to be subpar. <laughs> you know, so I just no. haven't, I haven't watched it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. But man, I wish I would have been able to see this one in theaters. To be quite honest with you, um, I don't know if it would have affected my rating, but just seeing those action scenes on the big screen would have made a huge difference. I think you know. Um, yeah, this movie needed to be loud and big. Yes. Yes, I agree. All right, let's move on into unless you have any final thoughts on the gray man. Nope. Uh-uh. I think I heard, I think <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, June. Uh, June said nope. And I got I got that one a little late, June. That was me. That was that was Jake. Oh, that was Jake. Yeah. yeah. Oh shit. I'm not taking credit for that. that oh. was, yeah. I'm not gonna take that for that. You should start the timestamp right there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's uh let's move on into our next movie review, uh, which is Jordan Peele's Nope. Uh, Synopsis. The residents of a lonely gulch in inland California bear witness to an uncanny and chilling discovery. It's a science fiction horror film written, directed, and co-produced by Jordan Peele. Uh, previously did uh, Get Out and then followed up with Us, both of which I feel, in my opinion, 
were actually absolutely uh, stellar fucking movies. Um, this one stars Daniel Kaluuya, uh, Kiki Palmer, Stephen Yun, Brandon Pereira, um, Michael Wincott, Ren Schmidt, and Keith David. And uh, yeah, in the film, um, they're they're portray it's a it's a uh, two ranch owning siblings attempt to capture video evidence of an unidentified flying object. And um, just like our last movie review, we are going to rate this one. And if you didn't listen to the nope, uh, excuse me, to the Gray Man review, I'll play our rating system again. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right. I will, I'll start off and uh, rate this one as well. Um, I, You know what? I think ratings might be all over the place for this one, to be quite honest with you. I feel like this is probably going to be the most divisive Jordan Peele film that's come out um, as far as audience. And you can kind of tell that, I think, in the Rotten Tomatoes reviews and probably the audience reviews as well. Um, I think that, in my opinion, I think his genius has shined through yet again in this movie. And... The with the movie kind of being about exploiting animals and the mistreatment of animals and how it all kind of comes together in this movie, uh, I thought was pretty amazing. I, it, and, and it's like a, it, <laughs> and we are going to be getting into spoilers. So, and it, it reminded me a lot of Jordan Peele if he his take on Jaws. <laughs> A hundred. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, I talk about the mistreatment of animals and exploiting them. And, and there's a lot of things that keep reoccurring in this movie. You know, with Stephen Yun's character, we find out he was a child actor who now owns, like, you know, this amusement park. And uh, we get a scene, a flashback scene of, of him as a child actor. And there's the story about Gordy the Chimp that kind of just goes... Um, crazy and starts killing uh, people and 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 um, in the in the cast of this sitcom that uh, he was in starts you know chewing up this one girl's face and and it's it's that moment where you know the animal just kind of snapped the chimp just snapped you know this is it's you know, we see we hear a lot of stories about mistreatment of animals and movie productions. And even recently, there was like a dog movie that came out a few years ago. And there's footage of somebody throwing the dog in in the water so they could, you know, film this scene. And it's, you know, th- these things have happened. And there and um, there's that moment where the chimp kind of snaps. And, you know, there, even in the movie, Daniel Kaluuya's character is talking about how you don't don't look it in the eye and we'll talk about all this kind of stuff later but don't look it in the eye but there's the moment where you know the the boy looks at the you know chimp in the eye and it, it doesn't feel threatened but other times the chimp in in while they're filming when he looks a cast member in the eye feels threatened animals are like that animals get aggressive sometimes they feel like you're trying to um um 
what's the word I'm looking for? Challenge? Challenge them. Yeah, thank you. Like even, I, I love my cats to death, but even cats, and even house cats, you know, um, cats in the wild, definitely. But if you look them in the eye, they, they consider that you're challenging them. I remember years ago, I had my cat, hee hee, on my chest, and I was just looking at him and petting him and looking him in the eye, and I didn't look away. And he just started batting my face. And it was just like that instinct, you know, it's like that, it's that animal instinct. And, um, and so we find that out here in this movie, like there's a scene where, you know, Daniel Kaluuya's character is talking about how you don't want to look this thing in the eye. It's, you know, basically taking it as a form of aggression. And it's like, he's worked with so many animals over the years that he realizes that this thing is not in fact the UFO, that it is some kind of like either alien species animal or something that's been around for, you know, centuries that we didn't know about that we've been mistaking for like some kind of like futuristic UFO. And, um, I thought it was a brilliant movie. It was kind of of a spin on UFO movies, kind of a spin on the horror genre and like Jordan Peele's take on, on Jaws really. Um, I'm going to give it a Tupperware. Uh, I, I thought it was phenomenal. Um, you know, just the more you think about it after you leave, cause like when I left, I didn't know really, you know, I knew I really enjoyed the movie, but I kept thinking about it, kept thinking about it, kept connecting the dots of like the, St- the, the Steven Yun character when he's a child and the chimp and the, and, and, and everything that just kind of came together. And I think it's, I, I think it's pretty fucking brilliant at the end of the day. And I think upon repeat viewings and more people talking about it and getting into discussions about it, people will will appreciate it more, but I'm at a Tupperware. Um, I can't wait to watch it again. I I really wish I had been able to see it a second time before going into this review. But um, yeah, Tristan, what did you think of uh, Nope? You know what? I'm similar to you. I only got to see it one time. And I really wanted to see this another time before we reviewed because I feel like my rating would change. Um, And the reason being is because I really enjoyed the film, um, especially for the technical aspects. Like I'm I'm just so floored that Jordan Peele, you know, picked up a camera five years ago and can do stuff like this. Like it's mind boggling how good the cinematography was, the just the camera movement, um, the way he builds tension. Um, regardless of what you have to say about the movie or how the payoff was like the tension that was being built in that first hour was just so unparalleled by most movies that you see. And I really enjoyed how, um, beautiful all the shots were those night shots. Like, I don't know how he was able to make the night look so, so fucking beautiful like that. Um, Daniel Kaluuya, the rest of the cast, I thought it was very well cast. Even the the minor character, um, the guy who worked at the uh, the Fry's Electronics, I thought he was great. Uh, everyone in this cast was just, I thought, well-placed and, and on their A-game. The way that Daniel Kaluuya can be so effective with his eyes and just subtlety is, is a, a true skill. And I think Kiki Palmer has definitely uh, gone up as far as her stock is concerned because she's... I know she's a child actor, but she's definitely showing what she can do. Um, the uh, the uh, the score I thought was beautiful. I thought it was great. Um, the soundtrack, the songs that were playing intermittently throughout the, the film, I thought were great. Um, I didn't feel like the payoff that came in the end was worth 
the buildup that happened, like I like there was a long buildup for a payoff to me that was that was not worth it. Like I felt like it could have I think this could have been edited a little tighter, too. Um, I did enjoy just hanging on to all the dialogue because I know it all pays off later and I'm sure I missed a lot of shit. That's why I want to see it again. Um, because I feel like a lot of things went over my head. Um, I enjoyed the movies, um, and I came out of it with a high-tasted, um, a very high-tasted, which could change to a Tupperware once I unpack it and kind of figure out how all these little random pieces throughout the film fit together. Yeah, yeah no, that, yeah, that makes perfect sense. I really do feel like yeah. this warrants a second viewing. I yeah. really do. It's kind of like, you know, we talk about uh, directors that make something um, that uh, demands a second viewing. You know, Christopher Nolan being like that guy. And, and I feel like Jordan Peele's in the same camp right now. Um, yeah. I just feel like this is like his most different movie. I mean, it's still horror, but it's, it's so different. Yeah, the way he films that fucking UFO creature thing, like the way it's like hunting Daniel Kaluuya and the way he's like panning the camera while he's in the building and you're seeing it like hop from cloud to cloud. It's just like, yeah. it was creepy as shit, man. It really was. And like, did you see it in IMAX? I got, I did. I did see it. I did see it in IMAX and it was, yeah. it was awesome. And like, yeah. you know, even with jaws with them putting the barrels out in the water and like in this one, they're putting like the, the inflatable wacky waving fuckers or whatever the hell those things are called like out, in the, <laughs> out in the uh, out on the ground there i was just like this is so this is so ufo meets jaws meets jordan peele that i i love it i love it i was like the tension that he was building was incredible um jake what did you think about nope yeah i actually just saw this movie yesterday and i've only seen it once and i saw it in imax and yeah, I agree. Like the longer I've sat and thought about this movie and talked about it to a few people that have seen it, the more I've enjoyed it in my head. I'm going to high taste it now, but I feel like if I see this again, maybe a few more times, it could go to a Tupperware. Um, I don't know about you guys, but we actually had a Jaws trailer before this movie. Yeah. Um, it made it almost impossible. If I wasn't going to have those comparisons watching this movie, after that, it was just in the forefront of my mind. And I couldn't help but think about the comparisons between those two about, movies. Are you talking about like the trailer, The Eater's Elba? No, that no, was we Beast. Had the actual Jaws is coming back uh, to the IMAX trailer. Oh. Yeah, yeah, we, there was a because we were seeing it in IMAX. They were uh, IMAX was giving us uh, a trailer for uh, Jaws coming to IMAX for the first time, and uh, okay, cool. Yeah. So yeah, and I thought, oh my gosh, I thought OJ was one of the most charming, endearing characters in a movie I've seen in years. Like it gives me goosebumps just thinking about how much I love that character. It was such a brave choice, like. He, it's very interesting to see a main character who's mostly in his thoughts, who has like social anxieties, who doesn't always say everything he needs to say. And it was just such a bold choice. And the acting from Daniel Kaluuya with that character was just so interesting and different than anything I've seen from him before. Like, I, I just thought that character was so awesome. Like, and it really made it more like the tension was even more cranked up because of how much I was worried for that character. Um, it's just, I thought by the end of it, 
I was a bit desensitized to the anxiety of the whole thing. I thought the first and the second act, I was just on the edge of my seat and every scene worked. And then by the end, it was like, well, how are they going to end it? And I kind of lost that like white knuckle feeling that the first two thirds of the movie had me in. Um, I also could not believe that the most disturbing scene of the movie had nothing to do with aliens, that it was the uh, Gordy flashback. I was just like, oh, my gosh, I've never seen anything quite like that. And it took me a while. You know, when I walked out, I was like, I hated that backstory. Why did we need that? And then like six hours later, I, I kind of make the connection in my head with all, the, with all the animal crew, you know, <laughs> all the messages they were trying to send and what they were trying to tell us about that character and the connections between that and the UFO. Like, I missed that. It took me like yeah. – quite a while in my head to because i kept thinking about it i was like god i hated that so much why did they do that that character wasn't even major enough to like three times go back to that story and um yeah i i just thought that stuff was brilliant how once you stew on it it makes so much more sense i thought the opening title sequence was brilliant like when i'm watching it i'm like this is ballsy what the fuck does this dark bullshit mean and then by the time you finish the movie and you realize what you were seeing in that opening title sequence i thought that was quite well done i don't know i just i wish the ending would have been just as tense as everything before it I was just kind of waiting to see what they would do instead of biting my fingernails at the end. Well, is it, do you think some of it has to do with it not being a nighttime shot and uh, daytime? I don't know. Even the daytime stuff in the first act and the second act just had me like white knuckled. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's because once I know, I mean, I don't know exactly what the thing is, but I, I know it's, you know, some kind of creature. We're seeing it a lot more. I think it's a little bit of the Jaws effect, like mm. less less is more. And maybe I didn't need to see as much of it as I did in the third act. Yeah. 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 I mean, hmm. yeah, I definitely felt that it crescendos at like the two third mark. Like it's like that second act I felt where it gets where it really got me. And then you're just kind of coming down a little bit for the rest of the movie. Um, but, yeah, like I I really enjoyed it. And just like you said, Jake, um, I came out of that thing thinking, like, what the fuck was this monkey thing about? Like, why did we need that? And the more I thought about it, I was just thinking, oh, shit, like, wait, this ties in. This really ties in. Like, oh, OK, I, I get it now. Yeah, I want to hear from June and then we'll kind of talk. I, I do want to kind of like open that up and talk about yeah. it a little bit more. But yeah, June, your thoughts. Yeah, I am. Um, so I'm giving this a high taste that I really did enjoy it. But um, and after listening to you guys, I, I'm so my biggest problem with this movie. Um, you know, you know me, I am always wanting more, you know, Asian representation, you know, in pop culture. But I really, it was the Steve Young, like his character, all that stuff with him and being the child actor on the sitcom from the 80s that involved the monkey. Like none of that, honestly, like it didn't, I felt like that should have been a separate movie and it really didn't fit. And I, I just didn't understand why any of that, like why that character was even in this movie. And after listening to you guys talk about it, it I see the connection but I'm still not, I guess I'm not feeling it though. I still feel like it was a little 
unnecessary because uh, I just the best parts to me. Look at the um, real quick, uh, real quick before we move on from that real quick. Just look at the history of child actors trying to get back into the spotlight. Um, I mean, think about, you know, even I, I think about Dana Plato from different strokes. I mean, she loved the spotlight. Then when she was not in the spotlight as a child actor, she started to get into pornography and, you know, drugs and things like that. So, you look at child actors that are now, you know, even Corey Feldman and Corey Haim had their problems. And I feel like that's what we're kind of like, you know, maybe not the main story, but, I, you know, you can make those connections here with his character and like what he's trying to do with this amusement park and try to salvage a little bit of that fame. Mm-hmm. I guess in terms of the whole, I still, I'm not saying overall, I guess with just with the main story of this, wasn't a spaceship it was just an alien that is terrorizing this village in what northern california is that where they are um, um yeah and so um but i thought i mean this clearly this is jordan peele with the big budget and i like that because i thought it was gorgeous like i thought all of the cinematography was absolutely gorgeous i thought all the cgi special effects i loved all of that um and i agree with jake like daniel kalua like i love and I've, I've read some reviews saying like they thought his character was too under, too underplayed. I thought I liked that it was a subtle character. Um, Daniel Kaluuya is one of those actors that can say and do so much with just their face or their eyes. And I thought this really showcased that. And I thought he was great. I thought Kiki Palmer was a really good, not necessarily foil, but you know she was just so effervescent every time she was on screen like I loved her and I loved the energy that she brought and I thought that the two really balanced you know kind of everything out in terms of I guess the mood and um and I thought they played off really well together I mean I would love to see Kiki Palmer do more stuff with Jordan Peele I think that he could I mean I think they would do some really great things together so um and I know like Tristan and uh, Jake, I, if I'm, if I if I understand you guys, it, is it like when you guys say the how it ended, like what actually what happens to the alien? Is that what you guys have the kind of problem with? No, I yeah the whole the whole third act. I I did have a problem with that too. Like just uh, the whole see, third act didn't have the suspense level that the first two acts had for me. I mean, I, I kind of like the I kind of like the way I did like the way it ended. I kind of liked how it was just very anticlimactic yeah i mean for me it's it's kind of like what jake was saying like all less is more for me um it reminds me of you know one of the few m night movies i really enjoy which is signs where i feel like like when you don't see what's happening it's it's most effective or when you just see subtle hints of what's happening it's most effective right yeah no i agree like i I mean, this is I, this is why I think Stranger Things season one is scarier than Stranger Things season four is because in season one it was it was like Jaws, you know, like when you don't you don't really see the Demogorgon, you see flashes of it, and it's not until the end that you see it. Like to me, that made it scarier. Yeah, and it's funny that Jaws that was like completely unintentional because the freaking shark didn't work. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> it is, that is yeah. crazy. What I liked about the third act is like. Uh, you know, we got Michael Wincott's character, who I loved how they set him up to like he wanted to get like that, you know, the shot, you know, the yeah. shot. Oprah shot. The and, Oprah shot. And, uh, you know, so 
he abandons his post and goes up on the ridge to get this shot and gets taken up and eaten himself. And it's just like, at that point, I'm like, how in the fuck are they going to get the proof of this? And I thought it was really interesting that they took like the, (laughs) you know, the old camera that's in the well that we saw, you know, earlier in the movie and kind of incorporated that back into the story to get that shot. Um, I kept, cause I kept thinking to myself, okay, I know this thing shits out metal and stuff like that, that it spits out the metal that it can't digest and things like that, but and plastic and maybe it'll spit out, you know, the film, but there's no guarantee that the film would be salvageable. So I'm like, okay. Um, and then the other thing, but the thing I didn't like about the third act is I, for as much as, and I think Daniel Kaluuya does steal the movie in my opinion, but for as much as I loved his character, I was a little upset that he came back at the end. I felt like he should have died. Yeah. I like how obnoxious that shot was shot. Like it was like that light shooting at him and everything. <laughs> I don't know. I was glad I was glad to see him. <laughs> oh, and yeah. when she was um when she kept taking the trying to get the picture, you know, with the old timey like amusement park thing though, I got like major get out vibes. It, just because with the camera, with the flash, you know, like that's how you would. Oh, how they wake them up. Yeah. Yeah. And so I don't know. I just, I was like, oh my God, that reminds me of Get Out a little bit. Yeah. I, I really liked, um, you mentioned Daniel Kaluuya, like, um, and the subtlety of his performance. Like, I felt that that was just very, very intentional um, to pair him with Kiki Palmer because in the very beginning, they kind of show like he's, their differences when, you know, he's trying to give that opening speech to the set crew and he's just, you know, very introverted and in his head and and soft spoken. And then she's like the firecracker. Um, You know, so like I, you know, I I felt that like the way he was playing it, you know, they wanted you to know from the very beginning how different he was and how subdued he was as a character. Yeah, it was masterful. A great performance. Another thing I loved about the third act is, Everything that had to do with the TMZ reporter, I thought was awesome. Oh, my God. I thought it was hilarious. Like, we all knew watching when we get that shot of, like, when this creature approaches that it knocks out everything electrical. And we know it's an electric motorcycle. And they even set it up. Like, we knew what we were going about to watch there. And I was like, okay, this could not be happening to a better candidate here than a fucking leech like a TMZ reporter. I was like, this is so awesome. When the power goes down and he just goes flying off, and because we're seeing it from a distance, you just hear the little, like, little yelp from <laughs> as he flies off. Oh, my God. That's always great. But I actually, I liked how... They killed the alien, though. Like, I thought, like, I laughed out loud. And the. I think you were definitely supposed to. It it was like a Looney Tunes cartoon at the end. Like, I actually laughed out loud, and I I enjoyed that. I thought that was was funny. I I don't know. I thought it worked. Okay. uh, Okay. Then here's my question Who is the bad guy in this movie? Because is it still this fucking creature in the sky? I mean, at the end of the movie, we can just be like, okay, you know, it's this thing in the sky. But it's an animal. It's doing what an animal does. And before Kiki Palmer's character put out the fake horse, we had really not pissed this thing off. Like, that's where, like, the animal mistreatment comes into this one is, like, she puts out a fake horse 
it di- it, it, try- <laughs> it tries to digest it it gets sick and then from that moment it's not content with just eating horses then it makes its way to the amusement park where they're putting on a show and now it's going to eat humans and it's sending a message and so you know who really like i love the question at the end of this is like like okay, I, we're, I guess we're supposed to be rooting for Daniel Kaluuya, OJ, and 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 his sister, and I guess we're. But who's really to blame here? It's an animal doing what an animal does, you know. And I, I'm thought, not, Jupe, I thought Jupe was the bad guy. Well, what I'm right? saying, he's like. I, what I'm saying is like the animal mistreatment actually goes into like our main character story too, because Kiki's the one that puts out the fake the the dummy horse that's what right, sets but, the animal off no but it already ate humans because remember that's how their dad dies because he got a nickel in his head well so clearly it, like the thing had already been eating humans because because remember then there's like a like a house key that gets stuck on the horse at the beginning yeah i got the impression that jupe had been doing this before that right? correct so, i'm where i'm where tristan is jupe had he'd like continued the cycle of cruelty to animals by using this thing as a show and a way to make money. The reason, because at one point OJ asked about buying his horses back. Yes. And you can like see on Jupe's face where he's like, Ooh, that's not going to be possible because of what we're doing with them. But you don't realize that when you're first watching that scene, I'm not arguing any of that. He, oh but, no, I know. But they're still, they're still using horses as the bait. I'm not saying what he's doing is right. I'm saying that the, the turn, and I don't know anywhere in the movie where it's telling us that it's eaten humans before this, because this thing has just been going around as far as I know and eating horses. So I just, I just assume because, you know, as June was saying, um, it spits out a key and a nickel in yeah. the very beginning. And so I was wondering, I was, I was wondering, had Jupe been feeding freaking audience members to this thing? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't, th- I think like that's when it, when I don't think it's, I mean, there would have been a lot more. I mean, the families immediately reported like missing family members yeah. after this, and then it's on the news. And if that kind of stuff would have been happening before this, there, yeah. I mean, that that this would have got out a lot sooner. So I don't know where the meta- yeah. the metals and the keys and all that stuff came from. I'm assuming like when this thing has just been sucking up horses, that it's sucking up everything that's around it as well. Um, and we do know that metal kind of gets lost in the dirt sometimes. So I, I don't know. It's, it's mm. one of those, I just don't get the feeling that it had been going around and eating humans. I feel like it had just been feeding on animals before this. And then when Kiki Palmer has like the dummy horse sitting out and it tries to eat that, it knows that it was a trick. And that's when it starts going after the humans. Like now the, now it's got a reason to go after us. It feels like it's taking that as an act of war or something. But maybe I'm reading too much. Into we it. are a threat now. Yeah. And so no, now- I think that's smart. I think that's smart. There's definitely a lot of different ways to interpret it. And like, I agree, like it's it's kind of an innocent bystander. Like we really don't know its backstory. Like maybe it would have just kept to itself and not ever eaten an actual person had it not been like brought in and brought in the way it was, you know, and treated the way it was. Yeah. I don't know if I'm right or not. I mean, that's something for Jordan Peele to answer. But, yeah. Um, 
I loved the, uh, I think Tristan brought him up, uh, uh, Brandon Perea, who plays Angel, the Fry's yeah, Electronics guy. I thought yeah. he was fantastic. I loved every moment he was in there. I loved, like, just, like, his contempt for customers and just saying shit out loud. And <laughs> <laughs> so. I saw an uh, interview where he said he was the only one that had to audition for his role. Um, oh, and he was surprised that Jordan Peele cast an unknown in that role because, you know, usually he would just throw someone a, bit, a name in there. Yeah. yeah. I think his coworker at um, Pies. Tristan, you're rubbing up against your mic. We're hearing a lot Oops. of noise on your end. Oh, sorry. I think she's in Mythic Quest. Who is? Um, the, his coworker at Fry's, like she shows up. Um, I swear, I think, yeah, I she, think she's in Mythic Quest. She she's look, uh, she Joe on Mythic Quest. Oh, I kept thinking she was the girl from Euphoria, but she might be. She's uh, also in Euphoria. Okay, yeah. Same person. Yeah, yeah. that's her. Yeah, so she, uh, I liked that. I, I, I thought it was funny that she had like a very tiny part, but yeah, she was here too. Yeah, I, geez, Michael Wincott's reading of Purple People Eater, right? It was yeah. like the oh creepiest God. fucking thing ever. So weird. <laughs> He's so, so weird. good. I was so happy uh, he was in this movie. He was so goddamn good in this movie. Fantastic. Oh yeah, so good. There was such a pause between the last line of the song that I was wondering if he was even going to say it because at that point they cut to like the overhead pan and then he then he gets it out and I'm just like, oh my gosh, that was great for him to be obsessed with all that animal footage that he's cutting together and then for him to be kind of like prey himself at the end of this, I thought was kind of mm-hmm. interesting. I'm sure there's like a deeper meaning behind all that, but it was cool. That footage he was lucky. The footage he was cutting together was creepy as fuck. The tiger and the oh, snake. Yeah. Oh my god! Yes, it was. I was. I didn't like watching that. No, but did you guys realize like the horse that survived was Lucky? Oh yes, wow. that's awesome. Yeah, I think this movie is going to get rewatched, and people will start viewing it maybe differently and rating it even higher. And uh, yeah, it, it's just so different than. Anything we were expecting. I didn't like all the fact that like the advertisements on Twitter uh, were showing clips and they were teasing like, it's not what you expect. It's like, just shut up and fucking let people watch the movie and find that out for themselves. Yeah, they showed too much from the third act. There were certain shots that I was waiting for in this one. And uh, yeah, I think Peel has a big enough name and reputation now that... Like, I'm excited for the day where he can just say the name of his movie and that's all we get going in. Like, I, I, I think this would have just knocked my brain out of its head if all I would have known was the name and the director going in. Yeah, I, I just feel like with the current climate and theaters and everything post not post-pandemic, but like, you know, going on now where people are feeling more comfortable to go back to the movies, that they're still wanting to, like, show us more, more, more to get us in the seats. And this is yeah. one of those movies that I feel like um, doesn't, need that but the studios are still fucking worried and maybe jordan peele was fighting tooth and nail about like what he really wants to put out there i was pissed off that i saw the second trailer before seeing this go ahead tristan no i was gonna say i'm sure he didn't have anything to do with the marketing of this because i I doubt he wanted any of this known or shown in the trailer um i definitely would have liked to just go in code too um because you know i'm gonna see whatever he makes um one thing that i think is causing some people to get, uh, you know, to have 
reservations about this movie or to not like it as much as we were, I think is because of the placement too. Like, I think it's, it's coming out in the middle of the summer and it's a, it's a thinking movie. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not an easily digestible movie. And I think a lot of people are leaving the theater confused a bit and, and expecting one thing and getting something else. Like it's not a horror film that's going to make you give you a bunch of jump scares, which is what I think some people were expecting. But this yeah, it's this weird like, hybrid. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, I was just to say I think so, Brian. You're right in terms of like how, in terms of how people are going to like this movie. It's me pretty um, divisive. Like, you know, I gave it a high taste. My husband hated this movie, y'all. Like. It, the credit, it, like the credit started rolling, and he was like, "What the?" He's like, "What the fuck was that?" That was like the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Like he just didn't. He he's just like none of this. Like he, I mean, I don't, his biggest thing was like I felt like there was no story. Really, like what was any of that about? And and then he read some reviews too, and he said, "I think if you're a film buff, like if you know and like those stories, like the western tropes, the." old sci-fi like if you like being a film buff i think you would really enjoy this well yeah i think taking this film at face value and just looking at it very superficially it is very confusing and it seems like it's lacking and it seems like it's all over yeah. the place it's, and that's it's not what, until he, you he like thought really it was a hodgepodge deep, yeah, yeah and like, until you deep dive into it flat. like you don't it doesn't make a lot of sense just now i'm looking at the release dates for uh jordan peele's you know previous entries and uh get out was february and uh us was us released was like april is march uh, march yeah close yeah. to march 22nd so late march and so yeah maybe those dates would have served it well because like right now we're in the summer blockbuster season people are getting fresh off of you know thor and i mean maverick was huge and and so maybe this would have benefited for it to be released, uh, you know, maybe closer to those dates, you know, February and March. Or even at the in what know, way October, November. Well, right now people are in that kind of like, uh, you know, we're summer in vacation mode. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we're in that, you know, we want to watch the big summer blockbusters. And uh, I understand that Black Phone did well, but, um, you know, this is this isn't like a. a a traditional horror i think maybe i don't know maybe i don't know if it would have changed people's reaction to it um and uh i, I think it's going to do fine in the box office i don't know it, it is it i think it's the marketing i think the marketing is setting it up to be um something it's not like i feel like like the marketing is setting this up to be um an extraterrestrial um film that that's suitable for all audiences you know yeah where i feel that <laughs> right where i don't think it's suitable for all audiences it, it's like you have to kind of do a little bit of homework this is not signs you know this is yeah. this is but what did yeah. you guys oh my yeah. god did you guys i was i, I want to talk about this topic a bit more before we move on because i'm fascinated i i do think this is jordan peele's kind of popcorn movie i mean we've all kind of made the jaws comparison sure. and jaws is basically the granddaddy of popcorn movies um i'm not trying to call it a stupid movie by a popcorn movie but i don't know i feel like this movie's placement as far as when it came out is absolutely perfect and i really don't care if other people didn't get it because of when it came out and the numbers are really huge for this movie right now like it's, it's tracking really well for but the it's movie. not doing so, it's not doing the numbers of 
of Jake, regardless, it's not doing the numbers of us and get out. It's not. And, and it, I mean, you would think like, cause I think us even did better than get out. And it's just even on the first weekend, those movies did better. Jake, I, I would have, I, I would have to go to box office mojo to find out that information, but I do know for a fact, it's not doing as well as the previous two entries overall so far. And the thing is, it's like, I, I do think that with Jaws being the first summer blockbuster, you can make that comparison. But people knew that they were going to get a shark in that movie. And that's the thing with this one. It's like going in, people thought they were just going to get a UFO. I mean, even the movie itself teases it when we see like the aliens in this movie. And then and that was a creepy scene. Come to find out it's just kids in costumes. And because um, in that moment, I'm like, holy fuck, we are dealing with aliens. What the fuck? And the aliens look creepy and shit. I was creeped out in that moment. But um, that 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 scene scared me. <laughs> but in that, and even in Jaws, they knew that they were getting a shark. This one, it's like I came in for a UFO movie, and I'm getting a giant fucking flying kaiju monster thing. Like it's different. Yeah. It is different that's in that a, way. That's a great point. I, I agree with that. All right, nope. Nope, did better than Get Out in the opening weekend, but not as well as Us. Okay, okay. Um, then that get makes Out sense. had the legs, though. It was like no one knew what yeah. they were getting. Get, a, get Out had crazy legs. It, it wore stilts by the end of it. Us makes yeah. sense for that having the – because that out set such a high bar. Everyone, you know, loved Get Out so much. That makes sense that Us has the bigger box office numbers. Yeah. Because yeah. you're clamoring to see what Jordan Peele does next. I mean, after, I mean, Get Out really is like it is one of the it is one of the best movies to come out in the last ten years. Like it's just absolutely brilliant. Oh God! My yes. husband loved that one. He loved that one. I think maybe that's also why he he didn't like us as much. Real and then like I said, he hated uh, Nope. And I think because he is still looking at Get Out. One like, difference he's that I can that. see. Yeah, one difference I can see between this film and Get Out and Us is that they're they all have multi layers and they they all show you things that you didn't see the first time you viewed it. But I feel that Get Out like had so many layers, but even if you missed half of them, you still got it. Like and it it still was very entertaining. Whereas this one, I feel like you really need to pay attention and catch these layers to fully appreciate it. Yeah. 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 I do like tricking audiences though, and I I'll never say I have an issue with that, even if I'm the one tricked. Like if it if it's smartly done, I, I think that's a fun thing. Like let these people think they're gonna see a popcorn summer blockbuster and then go home confused. That's of little con- <laughs> that's of little concern to me. I mean, as long as it makes its money, I'm glad they did that. Yeah. I wonder what kind of legs it's gonna have. I just don't I can't see it, you know, fucking outdoing us and i mean i i think people a a lot of people that you know love those first two movies get out of this one i think it's a better chance that they're going to go back and see top gun maverick again before they'll go back and see this one and no one leaves that movie confused nobody (laughs) no one i left confused sexually after that fucking uh (laughs) after that football scene i was like i don't know that miles teller dance (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that Miles Teller fucking yeah, man. When he was grooving on the beach there, and Glenn Powell did things to my naughty parts, and it, yeah, man, I didn't know. I was confused. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I fucking I I really like this movie, and I, it does have so many layers, and I can't wait to you know dive into some of those layers, whether it be fucking YouTube videos and people breaking it down and shit like that. But 
I I still think it's it's like he takes like the horror genre and then like uh, elements of different movies from the horror genre and then turns them on their head and then gives also gives like this incredibly you know layered and deep message by the end of it and you know so yeah maybe this know when get oh go ahead like when get out was when get out was marketed back in 2017 or when like a while ago i remember my like not my husband we don't i don't like horror he doesn't like horror so remember we saw the previews and the trailers and it was it made it out to be like a horror movie like a really scary horror movie so we didn't see it in theaters but then we kept talking to people and people were like no it's not like it, like it's not what you think they were like it the yeah it made the trailers make it look like it's going to be super super scary and they're like it's not scary because it really wasn't like i didn't get out with scary it's yeah. kind of more I mean, scary than a horror movie yeah <laughs> i mean you know it's not <laughs> as scary and like oh my god like like i'm scared of clowns you know, scared. <laughs> I was scared for anyone who was black in that movie. So, oh yeah, correct. I was correct. <laughs> yeah, there are I'm elements of that, like the way that it was. Like it wasn't original horror movie. None of it. No, it's not. It's not like jump scare here, jump scare there. Right, bunch of exactly. bunch of gross stuff. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Jordan Peele, right. he can he can do that if you wanted to. I'm sure because there are there are parts of this movie, like when the blood is coming down and shit. Like you know that. Like there are elements of it, like when the people are screaming when it's digesting them, like that were oh god, yeah, that was such a wild shot. I there was yeah. a jump scare for me when the fucking kid was dressed up as an alien and fucking like was swinging, you know, uh, upside down. I was like, whoa! I was like, holy yeah, shit! I said, oh my god, out loud. <laughs> or just when it fucking was moving in the shadows for the first time, like just little things like that, or just slowly peeking its head out i love yeah, I, I didn't think we were going to actually see physical aliens and obviously we didn't but at the time we didn't know that and when when i saw those things i was just like what the fuck i love how jordan peele was like you know what i am in my fucking you know version of whatever horror type movie i'm doing here with nope in my version they're not going to react the way that they do in other horror movies. Like there's the scene, like I, we just talked about where the alien kid, the kid dressed up as an alien hangs, you know, is hanging upside down in the barn. And it's like, you expect him to run. And you know, it's like that fight or flight. And he's like fight. And he punches the alien in the fucking face. I was just like, this is, <laughs> that is awesome. And then also the scene where he's outside and you expect him, you know, the, the, this unidentified flying object is flying out in the clouds and shit above him. And you expect him to get out and start running. And he's just like in the fucking truck saying, nope. 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 Yep. I was just like, I love it. I love it. It's like Jordan Peele is like taking it back and like giving, you know, because like I would be too fucking scared to leave the truck too. And I'm sure a lot of people fucking would. So it's like, fuck yeah. that. And then even that same scene though has one for me. That was like the big jump scare for me though. And the thing is, you knew it was coming because he's in the truck, right? And like the, um, the alien is like, it, that's when it starts regurgitating the stuff that it can't digest. And you like you know you know something like big is going to come crashing through the car. Like you know it, right? You feel it. And I think Jordan Peele kind of like even delays that, like a, like takes them like one or two extra beat before the fake horse comes crashing through the windshield. And even though I knew it was coming, I still jumped out of my seat. Yeah, it's. I, I'm it so tired well of done. the. 
of the self-aware horror movie snark. And I, I love that like these characters can do not the atypical thing, but in like any other horror movie, the character would have to verbally talk about how normally the person would be doing this or and dump shit like that. Like I, I appreciate a smart horror movie that doesn't have to verbally pat itself on the back for how smart it's being. Well, I love how, yeah. how, you know, basically this guy's been training animals. He knows their behavior and then really starts to pick up that we're not dealing with, you know, an alien craft. This is some sort of an animal. It's behaving the way that animals that I encounter daily, you know, do. And I, I love that that's who our main character is here is like this uh, animal horse train. I love like the whole family in Hollywood business, the Haywood Hollywood horses mm-hmm. and all mm-hmm. that, that whole story of it. And, I, you know, just everything I thought was really well crafted and it all kind of ties together for me. I, so I don't know. Did you guys understand what the fucking shoe standing up meant or what that was about? No. Yeah. Yeah. What the- no. No, it's just like one of those things like I, you know, in your life, have you ever, you know, thrown, thrown like a, a nickel on the ground and all of a sudden it's standing up like that? And it's like, whoa, like how, I felt like that was just like one of those rare things where like someone's shoe flew off and it just happens to be standing up like that, which like, what are the chances? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it just, it just added to the off-puttedness of the whole thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I will say as much as I didn't love the Stephen Yoon stuff, I did love when he's talking about the Saturday Night Live skit, like the the go about the incident that happened um, in the studio. Yeah, because yeah. the thing is, I can see this. Yeah, like, <laughs> totally. Oh, Chris Kattan. Chris Kattan had that. <laughs> yeah. Well, because Chris Kattan had that one. Oh God, what was the Mr. Peepers? Yeah, the monkey. Yeah, and Mango, and I, I that was weird to me. I was like, I, you know, SNL can be dark, but I don't know that they would make fun of people being brutally murdered on set, right? That I, don't, I was like, mm. well, I mean, I if the show was filmed on a Friday, let's say, and the whole news story didn't get out, and they're going live, who knows? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I thought maybe a lot of distance had happened too, because that's probably it was like an '80s sitcom, right? And that's no, it was '90s. It was '90s. Okay, it was '90s. So that would have been the cast. Yeah, that, that was that was weird to me. But yeah, you're right. If it happened it on a Friday, maybe they just had bad taste and they apologized for it on Monday on the uh, NBC Twitter. Well, well, there was no there was no Twitter there. There was no Twitter oh, yeah. in the '90s. Uh, I'm just I'm just thinking that like they probably didn't get all the information out. They probably didn't know that you know people had died and the girl had her face ripped off. And I always wondered like what the deal was with that girl's face being ripped off, like in the fucking trailer that we saw for the first one. Mm-hmm. And I, it was cool finally getting to see like that that the fist bump between the chimp and the and the kid and what that all meant from the first trailer and stuff like that and. Um, oh my god, his self-righteous room with all the props and costumes and shit. And the Steven, music. Oh. Steven Yins, yeah. I don't know. Any final thoughts on this one? Um, yeah. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Jake, that joke only works once. <laughs> Damn it. This is my only good joke this episode. I had to try. No, I, I just gotta say that, like, um, I look forward to seeing this again, and, um, I'm excited because Jordan Peele is not running out of steam and I'm, I'm really excited to see what he does in the future. Like I love 
this non-lazy filmmaking approach that yeah. he's taking. Oh yeah, yeah. I feel like he's like the he's like the new. <laughs> I, I, maybe this is crazy. He's like the new Stanley Kubrick. He's the closest yeah. thing. We're gonna, he's the closest thing we're going to get to a Stanley Kubrick now. I mean, mm-hmm. Stanley Kubrick was fucking genius, and I think Jordan Peele is like, you know, the closest thing we're going to get to a Kubrick in in, in cinema these days. A little Hopefully bit of Hitchcock he the too. Actors better. <laughs> yeah, it is a little bit of Hitchcock too. Definitely Hitchcock influence on Jordan Peele. So. Yeah, I yeah he's, he's everything M. Night wanted to be. Oh, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's everything we wanted M. Night to be. <laughs> uh. <laughs> All right, guys, that is our bonus episode for uh, The Gray Man and Nope. Uh, yeah. And uh, all right. Yeah, I think we're done. <laughs> yeah put a lid on this motherfucker <laughs> all right guys thank you see you later oh june thank you where can people find you oh you can find me on apple to oranges it's a podcast i do with paul hard jesse candelori where we discuss apple original content what are you talking about currently so people can tune in so we kind of had a little bit of a hiatus but when we return we'll definitely be talking about for all mankind season three um physical season two and um, also trying season three. Should be talking which just about premiered uh, this weekend. Should be talking about Blackbird. Oh, and Blackbird. Yes, I am liking Blackbird a lot. So. Oh my god! Yep. I just finished the fourth episode. Incredible fucking so show. Good. Yeah, so good, Blackbird. And Tristan, people can find you on PCL and uh, other podcasts. Wh- I'm sure. <laughs> Wherever I'm invited. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right, guys. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time. <laughs>